Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Entrepreneur's MBA business lessons that you just can't learn in school. Appreciate you taking the time to listen today. As always, we're trying to bring ideas and benefits and things you can do in your business to, um, to you so you can implement them and, um, and have future success. What I do is really focused on getting new clients, new business, without spending a ton of money on marketing or advertising. And I definitely encourage you to go to free book from Adam and download my book. There are eight ways to grow your business, get more clients without spending money on marketing or advertising. But there's so much more to having a business and running a business than just getting more clients. A lot of it is how we show up, about being authentic, about how we work day-to-day and being our best self. And I'm really excited to have um, our guest today who focuses on that specifically. He's the author of four books. Mike Robbins is here with us today. As I said, um, he's written four books, his latest on Bring Your Whole Self to Work. He's also a well-known motivational keynote speaker, an expert in emotional intelligence, and has worked with some of our nation's biggest companies. Thanks for being here, Mike. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Adam. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And I definitely want to dig into the emotional intelligence side of it in a second, but I wanted to start with sort of your entrepreneurial journey that started 17 years ago. You had a prior career in baseball, and then you moved yep. on to the entrepreneurial side. Was that something that yeah. you had in mind always, or did it, did it come about in a different way? Well, you know, I mean, I spent all my young life and into my early adulthood as a baseball player, you know, I got drafted out of Stanford uh, by the Kansas City Royals and signed a contract with the Royals and ended up getting injured. I was a pitcher. I got hurt when I was in the minor leagues, but I basically started playing baseball at the age of seven, uh, you know, got injured my third season in the minors of Kansas City when I was 23 and then three surgeries and a couple of years later had to retire when I was 25. And um, I don't really think I thought, I had no sense of entrepreneurial journey or anything. It was really just like I was an athlete trying to get really good at this one particular thing, and then I got injured, and then I was like, well, man, what am I going to do with my life now, <laughs> right? I have to, like, make a living. I have to get a go. I mean, so my mentality was more about go get a job. Um, you know, I wasn't really raised with entrepreneurial ideas or start your own business or even, you know, my, my mother worked for herself, um as a wholesale sales rep, but, but wasn't really an entrepreneur. It was more just like, she didn't really want to have a boss. And my dad, my, my folks split up when I was three. My dad was, uh, was in radio and television. He was on the air. So anyway, I ended up getting a job working in the, the tech world it's about 20 years ago. The dot com boom was kind of happening here in the San Francisco Bay Area where I still live and where I grew up. So I worked for a couple years, um, in online ad sales. And then got laid off in 2000 when the NASDAQ crashed and the dot-com bubble burst and, you know, I was sort of out of work. And that was, you know, actually what is what ultimately is what put me on the the entrepreneurial path. But um, it was kind of <laughs> – I had a mentor of mine say, well, what do you really want to do? And I said, well, I really want to speak and write and coach people and try to inspire people. And he was like, great, you should go do that. And I'm like, now? And he said, yeah. And I was like, well, I'm 
26 years old and I don't know anything about how you start doing this. And, you know, and he was like, well, you could wait till you figured it out or you could just figure it out now. So that was kind of the, <laughs> the pep talk that I got that sort of launched me into this direction. But, you know, I know a heck of a lot more now looking back than I knew then. But that was kind of my uh, my entry into the, the swimming pool of entrepreneurship, so to speak. And, and, and it's interesting that you say that because so many people um, find themselves on an entrepreneurial path rather than saying, I'm going to go start a business. Either they yeah. they're in a career and – it naturally transitions to taking on additional clients, and that, that's what I did in my world. Or they, yeah. they they get laid off, and you had, you know, obviously laid off in sort of two different ways. You couldn't play baseball anymore, and, and then um, the, the tech world where you were went away. Right. And, and so you had to go out and make a living. And, and so you've gone from there, and you've worked yeah. with Google, Wells Fargo, Microsoft, Schwab, eBay, um, baseball teams, you've been on TV, you've been in the nation's highest publications. Um, yes. So how do you, who was your first client, whether by um, just area, you don't have to give the name if you don't want to, but how do you go from your first client to walking into a Google and, um, and saying, all right, I'm here to help? Right. Well, you know, like everything, and like it, it was a journey, right? I mean, I, you know, so my process, I mean, back to, so this is 2000 when I get laid off from my, you know, Internet job. And it was around that fall I had that conversation with my mentor. I met my now wife, Michelle, and I have been together for 18 years. And she had started her own business. She had a staffing company. And she was the one that really encouraged me, like, you can totally do this. You have what it takes. You, you're passionate about it. So 2001, I decided to start my own business. That's what's kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a motivational speaker. I'm going to be a, a coach. I'm going to hopefully learn how to write and figure out how I can get published. And, and, and I decided to kind of take the sort of fake it till you make it approach, you know, and, and I was reading some books about, Hey, here's how you make things happen is you got to sort of act like it's already happening. And anyway, the long and the short of it was I ended up at a networking event, had some business cards that I was handing out, gave one of my cards to somebody who ended up working for a company called Sutter Health. that's here in California. It's like medical centers, hospitals all up and down the state and, you know, told her I was a motivational speaker, which was true. I'd given a couple of talks, but no one had actually paid me. Um, <laughs> and we hit it off and got to, you know, exchange cards, and she seemed to like me. And I followed up with an email and thought, you know, hey, she's a good contact to have in maybe six months to a year. If I really get this business off the ground, I'll, I'll give her a shout. Well, she calls me out of the blue a couple of weeks later and like, oh, Mike, I got to, you know, we got a thing and there's a meeting at the one of our hospitals and the speaker just canceled and the CEO called me all stressed out and I told him, don't worry, I got a great guy. And I was like, oh my God, you know, so I literally, this opportunity just fell into my lap to go do this speaking engagement for this company just a couple months in. And I was super nervous and it wasn't the best one that I ever did by any stretch, but going to do that and actually getting paid to do that made me realize, oh, you know what? this takes some skill and some focus and some attention and I got some things to work on and learn, but this isn't actually as hard as I thought it would be. You know what I mean? And so it was kind of a journey of that over the first few years for me, you know, using my network. I mean, you mentioned as the intro to the show about marketing without spending a lot of money on marketing, so to speak. I mean, I'm 17, almost 18 years into my business. Like most of the business that I was able to generate early on, even when it was lean in those days came from relationships and people that I knew all these years later, 
most of the engagements, speaking engagements and other opportunities I get to consult and coach and work with some of my clients, they come from people either seeing me speak or knowing me or having some personal interaction with me. And so, you know, the confidence to walk into a place like Google or any of the other clients that I have now comes from, you know, the years of experience that I have, but also realizing at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff that I write about and speak about and teach, I think of it as sort of, you know, personal life skills that are sort of important for everything that we do. And no matter how successful a company is or an individual is, like, we all need help and support in those areas. So I just try to show up and share what I know and what I've learned as authentically as I can and trust that it'll resonate with other people because, you know, without oversimplifying it, I just sort of feel like people are people wherever you go. Yeah, whether they're in large businesses or whether they're they're running their own business, you need, um, one, some some of the... um, the, the, the soft skills, focusing on the good stuff, focus on the good stuff, which yep. is one of your books. Um, yep. Being yourself, everyone is taken is, is an, is another uh, of yep. your books. And, and that's huge, obviously in the entrepreneurial world, because yeah. so many people try and be somebody else and, and their business right. never gets going. So for our audience and most of the audience are newer entrepreneurs and a lot of solopreneurs or people with just small offices like yourself. Yes. How do those two things really translate well to the the person working by themselves or maybe with one or two other people? Well, I I mean, I think there's a a number of things. You know, first and foremost, look, working for ourselves or having our own business, particularly if it's a solopreneur or very small one or two, three people, um, it can be fun and exciting. It's also challenging, you know, especially, I mean, depending on the route that people take. I mean, for better or worse for me, I only spent a couple of years, you know, I was a baseball player, got hurt, spent a couple of years working for someone else. You know, I started my business when I was 26 years old. Um, there are a lot of people who go on this path who, you know, spent 5, 10, 15, 20 years working for a company, an organization, whether it's big or small, but basically getting a paycheck. And, you know, there's lots of challenges that go along with working for a big organization, and sometimes it can be stifling, and sometimes it can be frustrating. Sometimes you work for a really great company, it's fun, but at the end of the day, one of the best parts about working for a big company is, like, if you work hard and do a good job, you get paid every two weeks, and you can count on that, right? Right. Working for yourself, it doesn't work like that. And as simple of a concept as that is, that's, like, not that easy, you know what I mean? And it takes a certain internal... um, sort of makeup to be able to deal with that. I remember a friend and mentor of mine who was actually one of my first financial advisors said to me, Mike, I haven't gotten a paycheck since I was 20 years old. Basically, he kind of, you know, it's like that was my last job in college. And once I graduated at 21, like I became a financial advisor right away. And it was all about generating a book of business and delivering value for my clients. So then I would make money based on the clients that I have. And he's like, you know, I've done incredibly well and I'm grateful for that, but this is not for everyone and it takes something. So, I mean, I think part of what we have to remember is our businesses are going to be as successful or not successful. A lot of it has to do with our own mindset, our own psychology. I was just having a conversation with someone today who I work with, you know, all these years in this business and all the things I know about myself and about the business, like I can see some of both the strengths and the weaknesses of the business really have to do with my own personal strengths and weaknesses. And so one of the things we have to do as solopreneurs or entrepreneurs with very small businesses 
is get as much support and mentorship around us as we can. Ideas, I mean, even people listening to you and listening to your podcast, it's like, where can I get ideas and inspiration that are going to help me position myself and my business to be as successful as possible? And along those lines, um, the, the most of these successful entrepreneurs that, that you meet, especially solopreneurs, um, push themselves to make it successful. They have their ups and yep. downs, but they're the, they're the driving force behind um, the, the ultimate success of the business. Yes. And, and your new book, Bring Your Whole Self to Work, um, yes. where, where is the balance? Because a lot of those strong personalities and people that push and drive to make their business successful, sometimes they over-push, and, and that can become a flaw when they start to bring employees in or, or when they have staff or teammates um, yeah. How do you bring your whole self to work, but not overdo it? <laughs> well, I think actually part of bringing our whole selves to work is realizing that we have to have some balance and some sense of equilibrium. Look, I mean, <laughs> for better or worse, the way we work today, you could work all day, every day, and not only never get everything done, but just make yourself crazy. You know, I've just recently, over the course of, the last month or so have taken, I, you know, my book came out May 1st and there was a lot of, you know, as you can imagine, there's a lot that goes into not only writing the book, but then releasing the book and launching the book and new websites to build and new people to bring on board to the team, all kinds of stuff going on. And it's exciting. It's fun. I'm really, you know, I love that. And there's an element of it that's exhausting. And even though I've done it, this is my fourth book. This is not my first rodeo. It's like no matter how much I prepare and try to manage and pace myself, there's a part of it that just it takes a certain amount of energy and effort to do that. And as the dust was settling and we were getting you know a few months past the launch, it was like, oh, I need to take a break. We need to take some vacation. The, our girls who are 12 and 9 are out of school. And, you know, but I noticed that we went away on a trip and this is not the first time I've noticed this, but like, whoa, it's sometimes hard for me and I'm not alone in this to really unplug and unwind and disengage from the work because A, I love the work that I do and B, as an entrepreneur and particularly when we have a very small business, that there, if there's not a huge team involved, you know, if, again, if you have a company that has 15, 20, 30, 50, 100 people, even if you run the company and started the company, Ideally, unless you absolutely micromanage everyone, you can go away for a day or a week or even two weeks, and like hopefully the business is not going to shut down without you there. And if it is, you probably need to relook at how it's set up. If you run your own business as a solopreneur, or maybe you have one other support person or admin person, or maybe there's two or three of you, it's a very small business, and you're the primary generator of the business and the service or the product that's being, you know, created and is coming all through you, it's that much harder to step out of and away from the business, although it's that much more important. You know what I mean? So a lot of us, I think, are constantly managing the balance of that. And look, we all know what it's like when we get ourselves burned out and we get ourselves stressed out. It's like, not only are we not that fun to be around, but we're not as effective. So bring our whole selves to work doesn't mean that we work like crazy. It actually means that we bring our whole heart and soul to what we do and we're passionate about it, but we also have some understanding of some healthy boundaries and how we need to take breaks and disengage from time to time as well. Oh, I, I definitely appreciate the way the way you said that. And, and I want to encourage everyone to um, to go out and, and get his book and read his book. I, I re- haven't read this one, but I've re- read um, two of your past books. 
Um, so without giving everything away, because we want people to uh, to read it, how do you do that? How do you step away? Because you've got essentially three different lines of business. You've got your speaking business. You've got your um, consulting and, and coaching business within organizations. Yep. And then you've got the book business. So you've got three different yep. businesses, all with different rules. How do you right. step away and get yourself out of it um, and allow it to continue for the week that you um, unplug? Right. Well, it's a challenge. I mean, I've, I'm thankful that I have some really good people on my team, in particular Meredith, who's our director of operations, who, you know, she can kind of run the show and hold the fort down while I'm gone. And it's a process over the years, just with her personally, but also in general, me. And this hasn't always been my strong suit, and it's still at times a challenge, is to trust and just let it go and trust, you know what, most of the things that are really important to keep the business going they'll be fine if I step away for a day or a week or even more. You know, and it's, I think, again, it's a personal process and journey for each and every one of us to do. But I know for myself, too, given the work that I do, given the the passion that I put into it, the intensity of the work, and the fact that it calls upon me to have to generate new ideas and new content as I'm writing and doing the different things that I do, I need that time away as well, both not only to recharge and have fun and hang out with my family and do all the things we normally do, whatever kind of work we do, but for me to be refreshed and engaged in the work that I do. you know, And that's an important reminder. I also think it's important, I know this is true for me and most of the people that I work with who have some success in this area, is again, we have to have good mentors and coaches and support systems outside of ourselves who can notice things about us that we may not be able to. I mean, sometimes what makes a really great entrepreneur is someone who's got some passion, who's fired up, but kind of what you alluded to before, it also can make us a little crazy, if you will. And what helps for me is to have my wife or my friends or, you know, a mastermind group that I'm in or a support group that can, hey, just give me a, hey, Mike, it seemed like you got your head up here, you know what, right now, like, why don't you take a break? Why don't you take a day? Why don't, you know, and it's like, oh, geez, not that I'm not self-aware, I think I am to some degree, but we all have blind spots and we all need support. And so, so much of what I wrote about and Bring Your Whole Self to Work is about different ways that we can both and our professional lives, but also in our personal lives, make sure that we get the support that we need. Because sometimes, again, we don't realize that we're burned out or stressed out until it's a little too late. You know what I mean? Yeah, very much so. And, and, and when, you, when you take advice from others or when you hire a coach, you need to have some level of vulnerability because you don't know what they're going to say. Yeah. And, and how you're going to react to that. And you write about that in your book. Why is vulnerability so important um, in in bringing your whole self to work, whether it's at a corporation or whether it's your own business? Right. Well, I like, you know, there's the definition of vulnerability that I really like is from Dr. Brene Brown from the University of Houston. She's been studying vulnerability and other human emotions for over a decade. And she defines vulnerability this way. She says vulnerability is emotional exposure, risk, and uncertainty, emotional exposure, risk, and uncertainty. And if, can you think of anything meaningful or important that you've ever accomplished or experienced in your life, personally or professionally, that did not involve emotional exposure, risk, or uncertainty? Mm. <laughs> I can't really think of anything. If it matters to us, it's going to involve one, two, or all three of those things. And with respect to us being entrepreneurs, whether we're a solopreneur or we're an entrepreneur that, again, has an idea and builds a whole team that's like, talk about risk, uncertainty. Those are just inevitable parts of being an entrepreneur. 
Emotional exposure is something that, again, if we're willing to, like you're saying, work with a coach, a mentor, have people give us feedback, we've got to allow ourselves to open up in that way so that we can receive the feedback that they have and get the support that we need. And those things, look, the thing about vulnerability, the paradox is it's uncomfortable to be vulnerable. Most of us have created lots of strategies in our lives so as to not be vulnerable. But in reality, what it takes for us really to grow and develop both in our businesses and in our lives is an embrace, you know, is being able to embrace vulnerability, to lean into the discomfort and the growth. You know, think of most of the entrepreneurs in particular who we admire the most. Why do we admire them? Usually because they're willing to take risks. Like the stories that we hear is like, oh my goodness, this person or this come like, wow, they risked it all. They walked away, right? It's the, it's the founder that says, no, thank you. The company that comes and wants to buy them for a hundred million dollars, like, how'd you walk away from that hundred million dollar deal? And it's like the company's now worth ten billion dollars because they said no to that. You know, no, most of us aren't dealing at that scale and that scope, but it's even, in, and in my own business, am I willing to say no to something because the reason to say yes is simply based on fear, right? Going back to the conversation from earlier, when we don't get a paycheck, every solopreneur that I know, myself included, especially as we're starting out, has to deal with that, oh, this is uncomfortable. I don't know where the money's coming from. And then as we start to grow a little bit, we start saying yes to things, and yeah, it's exciting to say yes, and hey, I've got a client, and hey, they're on board, but you know what? This isn't the kind of client I really want to work with, or this isn't the kind of work I really want to be doing, or this isn't the amount of money I think I should be getting paid for this, particularly if it's a service business. Then all of a sudden, it's like, do I have the courage to say no, even if I don't have a yes waiting for me on the other end, because saying yes at that lower level then keeps me stuck, right? I mean, these are all coming back to like, this is all a mental, emotional process more than even a business or practical one. Right, and so it's balancing those, those emotions. So it's being vulnerable and being open to what others say or what comes with you. It's understanding yeah. where, where you want to go and what opportunities are there and saying yes to the right ones and no to the, to the wrong ones. But then there's the yeah. emotional or emotional intelligence portion of it, of how you react and move forward. And yeah. so it's, it's a, it's a lot of a path. How, how do you see, um, or how do you help people on that, that intelligence side and really understanding without reacting? Right. Well, and it's, look, it's a process and it's like emotional intelligence really has two aspects to it, right? It's like there's a self part of it, it's self-awareness and self-management. So being aware of ourselves, being able to manage ourselves. One of the things on that side of emotional intelligence I'm constantly doing in my own life and I'm when I'm coaching people and working with people is like make a commitment to our own personal growth and development it, as an ongoing practice. It's not a destination. It's not. It's just like physical fitness, right? You, we don't go to the gym or have a great workout or go for a long run and get to the end of it and go, okay, I'm in shape. I'm good. Done with that, cross that off the list. No, it's like you incorporate that into life. It's like if I'm going to be healthy, I have to figure out how to have healthy practices as a lifestyle. Same thing with personal growth and development. Am I constantly learning and growing? Am I getting feedback? Am I allowing myself to be coached? Am I looking for different ways to be inspired to learn new, all kinds of stuff? And then how do I manage that? What practices do I have to manage myself? Am I, do I have... Maybe a meditation practice. Do I have a journaling practice? Again, it's not, there's not one size fits all or prescriptive way to do it, but it's a commitment to both 
learning and, and deepening our own awareness of ourselves and then figuring out how can I master myself, if you will. You think about great athletes. What do great athletes do? Well, they have some talent and then they work on getting better with the talent and maximizing the talent. But it's also about being able to, in those big moments in the game, in the competition, being able to stay calm and aware of what's happening, even as things are moving really fast, right? I mean, that's the sign of a really great athlete is watching them in the midst of that. You know, I mean, I love to watch athletes in different sports. It's like, wow, how does Tom Brady do that? How does Steph Curry do that? Whoever it might be that you look at and say, how does that person, how are they able to, you know, that's a self-awareness, self-management. The other side of emotional intelligence is about other people, and that's social awareness and relationship management, right? So it's becoming more aware, being more mindful and empathetic with other people, listening to other people, you know, trying to understand different perspectives, even with people who look and act and think and operate very differently than we do. You know, so one of when I'm coaching people on that front and that side and myself included, it's like put yourself out there in different situations. Be curious when you're around different types of people, you know, read things and watch things and listen to things from people who disagree with you as a way to open and expand your mind. So you realize that the whole world doesn't simply just operate the way that you operate, because that's going to allow you to be more um, flexible, if you will, in your ability to connect with all different types of people, which is, again, something that's really important in the way that we operate, communicate, and work today in this global world, that even if we're sitting in our spare bedroom in our house running our own little solopreneur business, we're trying to connect with a wide variety of people through the Internet, they're not all going to look like, think like, act like we do. So we have to figure out how to have more understanding and compassion and empathy for all different types of people. And you and you need to to understand all of those in order to be successful. And I love that you went in that direction because that sort of was going to be my next question. Was you you've been in a a star athlete, and you don't make it as far as you did without being a star yeah. athlete, whether it was in high school or college or, or even on your minor league team. And so you were an individual contributor, but without the team, especially as a pitcher and everyone playing defense behind you, the team's not yeah. going to be successful. And now you work. You've got your own business where you're an individual contributor in, in when you're on stage and, and when you're consulting, but you've got this team that supports it and makes it work. But you do yeah. work with huge companies. Um, so yeah. you see all three. You see sports, you see the individual small business owner, and then you see these huge companies. I know you can't boil it down to one or two things, but can you try to boil it down to one or two things? Yeah that sort of fit and bring all of those things together? So you've got the three circles. Where do those things overlap? Yeah. Well, I think it's a great question. I mean, there's multiple layers to it. But I would say one of the things that makes teams and relationships really work, right? You think about it. It's like there was, Google did this study a few years back, and I wrote about this in Bring Your Whole Self to Work, and they called it, they called, they called it Project Aristotle. They were actually studying, they were looking at what are the conditions that are necessary to create high performance for teams. But they were looking at this in the context of at Google, but they actually spent three years and first they studied their own company, some of the most high performing teams in the company, and then they expanded it out to the tech world, other companies, and then they expanded it out to other industries and they were like, let's look at as much research and data as we can and see if we can bring it all together map it out and try to figure out what can we teach our people and our teams and our leaders ultimately that they can focus on to create the conditions for high performance. And the number one thing that they found after 
all that research and looking at all the different studies and data was that the most important component for high performance is what's called psychological safety. Psychological safety is essentially trust, but trust kind of at a group level, at a team level. What that means, and the team could be, it could be you and one or two other people. It could be a much larger team, but it's psychological safety means I feel safe as a part of this team or group to take a risk, to make a mistake, to speak up, to disagree, to not necessarily, you know what I mean? That sense of being able to be myself, if you will, and know that if I fail or if I fall down or if I make a mistake or if I upset someone or if I disagree with someone, whatever, I'm not going to get kicked out of the group. I'm not going to get sort of ridiculed and shamed for doing that. And for us as, as solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, again, if we have very small teams or if we're interacting in some ways and trying to get clients to hire us to provide whatever service or, or bring whatever product we may have to them, one of the things that can happen because that activity by its nature is risky, is scary, is that we sometimes, and I've seen myself do this over the years to my own detriment, I've seen so many others do it, is that we sell out on what's really true for us in service of trying to have people like us or agree with us or think that we're good or, do you know what I mean? And what ironically, what, what we want to do is create a situation in our relationships, even with potential clients or customers, create a rela- relationships that are safe, that we can be ourselves and they can be themselves, that we can speak up, but do it in a way that actually is conducive to our own success and our own authentic expression, if you will. I remember years ago, this is kind of a, a roundabout way to address this, but when I was first, I went through some coaching training at the Coaches Training Institute to learn more how to effectively coach people. And this was like, you know, 17, 18 years ago when this whole world of coaching, life coaching, business coaching was much, much smaller and less known even than it is, of course, today. But one of the things one of our instructors said to us is most people that hire you to coach them, whether it's an individual or an organization, they're not going to fire you for being too hard on them. They're not going to fire you for pushing them too hard. They're actually going to fire you for being too soft and too weak with them. And I remember hearing that, and it was a simple idea, but it was like basically the person or the individual or even the company or team is going to hire you because they want you to come in and push them and challenge them. Your own little ego is probably going to get in the way and worry, oh, if I say this or do this, it's going to upset them or irritate them, or they're not going to like me, and therefore they're going to fire me, when in reality, it's the holding back that often has them less satisfied, if you will. And I've found that to be true so many times in my own business. Now, obviously... Not everybody listening to us is in some kind of coaching or consulting capacity in their own business, but in general, if we can do whatever we can, both with our own internal team, however big or small that team is, and with the people that we interact with, to create that sense of trust and that sense of psychological safety, that's what often drives our performance, our individual performance, and ultimately the performance of the team or whoever it is we're working with. So so that concept of not holding back, it doesn't mean you have to be mean, it doesn't mean you have to yell. But no. if, if you, you don't hold back in, in your own business and don't hold back on what the other person needs to hear, if it's yes. um, no matter where you are. I mean, if you would, yeah. you have a hardware store, if you tell them, here's a better hammer, you're actually doing yes. them a service than if you say, all right, buy the cheap one, if it's not really what they right. need. So it's exactly. Well, it's the, the way I define the way I define authenticity and bring your whole self to work and in all the work I do around authenticity is that it's honesty, but it's 
we have to remove something from our honesty and we have to add something to our honesty. So it's honesty without self-righteousness and with vulnerability, which we were talking about just a few minutes ago. So it's, do I have the willingness and the courage to be honest, but can I remove my own arrogance that says I'm right, like with a capital R, not that we're not going to be passionate or convicted, but righteousness, self-righteousness pushes us away from others, creates separation between us and other people. Vulnerability, which we were talking about before, right, emotional exposure, risk, and uncertainty, actually allows us to move closer to people, creates more empathy, more trust, more connection. So authenticity is the combination of honesty without self-righteousness and with vulnerability. And when we can do that, now we can start to really build trust we can start to make deeper connections with people. We can work through conflicts or disagreements or negotiations or whatever the case may be in a much more genuine and effective way and a way that's a lot less stressful for us and for the people involved. That's awesome. I think that's a great place to end because um, I, I think that that is something that we can all implement in our businesses, whether it's working with others or sometimes whether it's working with ourselves. That's a really important thing just to keep in mind. Um, I, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your openness and your thoughts. And, and to everybody listening, uh, I encourage you to go to mike-robbins.com. You can see information on his books. He has videos. He's got some of the, the uh, news articles that he's done, um, the articles that he's written. He's uh, all over the place in terms of radio interviews, uh, print publications and books and personal interviews. So I appreciate it. And also, you have a podcast as well. Um, I believe it's the Bring Yourself to Your Whole Self to Work podcast, correct? It is. It is. So definitely jump on and listen to that. Thanks, everyone, for being here, and thanks, Mike, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. You got it. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.